Good evening, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Welcome to a very special episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. We're back on a Monday night. Not after a great result, it must be said. The Brisbane Lions kind of had their way with us uh, a little bit over the course of four quarters, but um, hopefully we can bounce back this week against the Swannies, which we will get to a little bit later on. But we have a very special guest with us tonight, and we hopefully will be joined by CB later as well. Um, but Nick Daffy, welcome to the show, mate. War the number 44, the number 10, 165 games, and a Jack Dye medalist. How's it going? Yeah, I'm going well, thank you. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. No drums at all. And a, a shout out to Nick Rericus for organising this for us. Much appreciated, mate. I'm sure you'll pop in the chat very, very shortly. Um, but we'll uh, we'll wind it back all the way to the start. It's always nice to reminisce and go over, you know, the, how you sort of came to be a player at the Tigers. But you were selected pick 49 in the 1990 draft by the Tigers. And it was very, very interesting circumstances because at that point in time, South Australian players were sort of technically off limits. And I think it was you and Matty Rogers, who we also drafted, were the only two South Australian players taken uh, by a Vic side based on a loophole because you were playing for Western Border Footy League, which tied into the VCFL. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, actually. It was actually Matthew Clark, not Matthew Rogers, but nearly. Oh, okay. Nearly it. Yeah, yeah. So, Clarky, um, so we're quite lucky. It was lucky that. Um, we were able to be drafted by Victorians. So it was when the Crows were obviously um, getting all their lists ready for entering the competition. So um, both of us got drafted. So it was really good. Matthew went and played under 19 for a year, and I was lucky enough to sort of stay and play some senior football um, and really get used to different sort of circumstances for both of us. But it seemed to suit um, going to Richmond because they weren't quite. Um, up there so for someone to come in it was um i think it was lucky because i was able to sort of build a team with a few of the guys that obviously people know through the 90s and so did you have much prior knowledge that the tigers were keen on taking you uh i don't recall i think i don't recall i mean i think i remember doug vickers and someone else coming down and talking to us um my parents and me, um, but I thought I was going to St Kilda for some reason. I think it was St Kilda and Melbourne I thought I was going. So, But I, I really had no idea, to be honest. And being number 49, um, I guess I've, I, I sort of thought I – I don't really know what I think, but I, it felt like I was probably lucky in the end being number 49. Um, I don't know how many were in the draft, but, yeah, turned out well anyway. Definitely did. So uh, your first year was in 1991. You played six games for the 19s, as well as mm. some games, I think, for North Gambia, I think it was. What was it yeah. like, because obviously staying up in Adelaide doing that, I'm assuming. So what was it like sort of playing for for both clubs? Uh, yeah, so it was in Mount Gambia, which is sort of in between both Adelaide and Melbourne, down near the border. So good five hours uh, to both Adelaide and Melbourne, and then seven hours across from Adelaide to Melbourne. Um but no, it was good. I, I really came and played a few games when I could and played in the finals, which was I think it was quite important because I think Alan Jennings just, just took over and watched some finals of yep. the under-19s and I played quite well. So I was able to um, get his uh, confidence when the lists were being, I guess, put together because I hadn't been there that year and then ended up playing round one, which, which, um, which seems... Um, Really, I guess it was a really good... I think I trained quite well, so I was able to get into the site. And then in 92, you entered the um, AFL system full-time, I suppose we'll call it. Do you recall, I suppose, when did the move take place to become fully, you know, full-time and how were your first few days at the club? Uh, well, I think I, I, I sort of vaguely remember driving over the Westgate and being able to see the MCG and then being told that Punt Road's somewhere near the big lights. Um <laughs> of the MCG and um, back then there wasn't all these high-rises. Now you, let, you barely see the MCG, but um, I made my way there and I think I don't, I don't know if I had accommodation or they thought I had accommodation, but I, I think I ended up staying with Wayne Campbell for a little bit and um, it was a very, it wasn't however many, there's probably hundreds of workers there now. There's probably 20 or 30 back then yeah. in the early 90s. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just very excited to, get to Melbourne and, and start the journey. And you, you mentioned Wayne Campbell there. Was he one of the senior players that took you under his, their wing upon your arrival? Or were there any others that kind of you gravitated towards? Uh, yeah, uh, Wayne had been there for one year and had played a bit of senior footy. 
so he was good to um well he obviously was really good because i went and lived with him for a little while and uh we sort of i guess grew up through the footy period through that period of 90s and uh, he was fantastic to be around and watch how he he really got hold of afl footy from the start and was consistent all the way through so it was um it was probably frustrating watching how good he was and me trying to get hold of my game for a, a while but that was but it was always good. It's probably better I hung out with him more than someone who was really struggling and didn't last. So ended up being um, a great result. Uh, you, you learn, learn from one of the best, uh, then you become, you sort of start to emulate him and it, your form refl- reflects accordingly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, definitely. And I didn't start as a midfielder, but went in there late and, I remember Wayne. I remember Wayne sort of saying one day, "I, you know, I was running um, a little bit better than him in last quarters," which I took that as a, a real compliment that I was able to sort of match it with what he was able to do, and then, um, I guess, make my sort of area the midfield for a little while as well, or that mid forward. And you made your debut round two, 1992 versus the Kangaroos, and you got seven kicks, three handballs. Do you recall much from your debut game? Uh, not really. I mean, I remember being at Waverley and with my parents and, um, I don't think we won. And I, did, I if you had asked me how many touches I got, I wouldn't have known, to be honest. So I guess that's not, not bad. 10 touches, I guess. So, um, I don't know how good those touches were, but it all just went so quick and just happened so, so fast that, um, the whole, the whole time I was at Richmond, 10 or 11 years just seemed to be a blur, to be honest. I think 10 touches is, is pretty good on, on debut, especially when you consider now the interchange back then wasn't what it was now. You'd sort yeah. of, uh, I suppose, end up with extended stints on the pine just because that's just how the game was played, I guess. Yeah, I think um, also being a forward, I mean, you've probably got someone trying to stop you most of the time. Um, yeah. So I guess 10's probably not too bad being able to get away. And back then you would have had real hard half-back flankers or back pockets probably trying to stop you the whole time, which I which we literally did once we started kicking goals. So I think our numbers we were getting were were fairly hard-fought sort of possessions at times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, was it difficult as a young player? Because you had two different coaches within your first two years at the club, which I don't think many players would go through, really. But um, starting with Alan Jeans, 92, then John Northey in 93, were there many differences between the two of them? And was that a hard thing to adapt to, being a younger player, trying to settle in? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, well, I thought it was going to be KB, and then Jeansy was, I guess, a nice surprise in a way, although we're looking forward to KB being such a legend. But K- um, Jeansy being such a legend and watching him with Hawthorne was pretty amazing to hear his voice and his philosophies on football. Uh, I don't remember a lot of them, but I know it was pretty direct and pretty basic, which um, and really smart basic football. Um, John Northey was, came along at the right time for me because I was probably – wasn't sure what position I was going to play and he um, tended to play me forward and was able to sort of use a few of my tricks and I guess that's where I started being able to be myself and um, was able to become the player I, that they needed and what I needed was to have a few tricks around the goals, which um, now I'm probably fully aware now that players last when they probably have some sort of tricks of some sort. Didn't have massive speed or had to learn to sort of get in and get out as far as winning the ball. And then I guess the main thing that kept me around early was probably the fact that I was able to kick some goals early. You definitely did. And then, I mean, in 94, that's when you kind of really started to cement yourself in the side in the best 22. You had 17 games and finished with 15 goals. What changed for you as a player to help cement yourself in that in that starting lineup? Because it was kind of the, last, the two years prior was very in and out. You'd play a small block of games and then, didn't come back in. So what, what did you change to be able to cement yourself in that 22? Uh, I think it was a gradual uh, confidence in probably having a coach that allowed me to play a few games, uh, which was Northy. Um, I was always a good trainer. So I remember being frustrated that I felt like I was one of the better ones out in the track running and using the ball and not being able to get games and continually keeping that going was hard, but that actually paid off late. Um because you can really get disheartened if you're not getting a game, but if you continue training hard and feeling like you're running harder than everyone else, I think things just fall into place, and that's probably what happened with myself. And 95 was a huge year for you, starting with the shift from number 44 to the number 10. 
Was there any special meaning or reason behind the number swap, or was it just uh, the clubs offered a high number and you were happy to take it? Yeah, I think it was more just that um, the club offered me the number. I was fond of 44, wasn't? But I think in uh, not so much these days, but back then, it was probably a, an area. It was probably something where you felt more comfortable having a lower number at times. Um, and we ended up. So I was obviously next to Wayne, so that was a, a good thing. We were best mates through that period, and and it was really. It was, yeah, it was just, I guess it was a bit of recognition that I was making the side and I was able to, they gave me the option to wear 10 and I felt like I had 10 forever, to be honest. And yeah, it did. It really did. And uh, I mean, that year, almost, I don't, you, you took your game to a whole new level playing as that medium sized forward. The team was flying, everything was kind of clicking for us. Mm. How much confidence were you and the entire playing group? How much confidence were you playing with and how exciting was it to be in that team at that point in time playing that kind of football? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty amazing to think what well, well nine zip I think, which would be, uh, which is I think all nine nine wins or eight wins or something. Yeah, I think, might have been, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, starting games against North Melbourne. I think I kicked six against North Melbourne on the first Monday night game, and yeah, it was just exciting. It was it was it was, I guess it felt like it was big time football for us, and we as a side. Um, probably built that side ourselves. I think it was all new. Brendan Gale had been there a little bit long. Richo was, was there, but then had his knee. Uh, Matty Rogers, Jamie Tate, Prescott, Stuart Maxfield, Scotty Turner. We were able to build this side into a good side together. With And that's after having multiple coaches as well. So that was really rewarding. And then we brought in, obviously, Broderick and Michael Gale. Which So we had an amazing side in the end, really. It kind of defies logic a little bit how well that team performed under just purely from the changing of coaching perspective that yeah. to be able to adapt and get your game plan together and play so cohesive was was really impressive. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. And I think it was sad that we weren't able to go on the next year with the same coach um, because I think that did um, – I, I think that put us back a little bit, definitely. Um, I looked at the – through COVID, I was able to watch some games and with my son and we – we really didn't need to play Geelong out at Waverley in the rain. We we needed to play them on the G in, you know, dry weather and then it would have been game on a little bit. And then, again, if we had got to play Carlton, we would have, we never know what could happen. So amazing to make the prelim. But unfortunate that we had to all gather ourselves and had a new coach come in, Robert Walls, and we all had to prove to him that we could play again. So he came in thinking that, okay, I've got to, you know, belt these guys around the head to get them to that next level. And we were wanting that probably a little bit of recognition that, okay, you've done quite well. Um, let's tidy up a few things. And and some of the guys from that good that year didn't really last, didn't really get through that period, which was disappointing. So That's um, sad, isn't it? Like you said, you just need a little bit of uh, remoulding and a couple of fine tweaks and you would have been okay. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, Robert Walls was a different character, great coach um, in a certain era, smart man in football, but for some reason we just couldn't quite get it going for him or he couldn't get it going for us. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so look back with fond memories of what we did with the, with the players that we had in that time. And in 95, you ended up, well, you kicked 45 goals for the year and won the, the club goal kicking, including that bag of six that you mentioned. How much work did you put into your goal kicking on a day-to-day basis? Because I feel like it's something that these days, I suppose sports science maybe gets in the way of players training as much as maybe uh, you did back in the day in other forwards. Yeah, uh, I did a lot of, well, uh, I did a lot of my on the runs and long kicks from outside 50 or snaps. I did that multiple times. Like I did it until I could do it well. So by the time I went out in the ground, I knew that I'd practice a left foot sort of banana or a left foot sort of snap around my body. Um, and I had a good ability to be able to know where the goals were, I guess, without looking at them at times. Um, so, yeah, I definitely practice a lot. My set routines, I, I, try, I didn't get a lot of set uh, shots, but I had enough. And although when I look back, I missed a few set shots at times, but, but my on the runs and snaps were quite good, but I really practiced them a lot under pressure. And we mentioned about Richo before. He went down in round nine that year um, mm. against the Swans. How did that reshape the forward line? And did anything for you in particular change um, with your role within the team with Richo going down? I don't think so because I was still playing up quite high. I didn't play any deeper. Um, 
uh, Richo and I had a great relationship, but there's lots of arguments for us to get out of the way of each other at times. <laughs> but it, he, you know, we missed him, and he was an amazing player. So we, I actually enjoy kicking to Richo because you just put it out in front, and you know he was going to get there, or you just put it up at a nice weighted kick, and you know he's going to get up at it. So um, he obviously went on and became the player he was going to be. And um, but for me, I guess the only thing different was I got the most goals and won the. The uh, Michael Roach medal, which he won most of them, really, so which I was pretty proud of. Absolutely, and as you should be. Yeah. Uh, I know we touched on the finals briefly, but the semi-final versus Essendon was a, a thriller. I mean, you kicked two goals and a 13-point win. What were your, your memories from that game? It's uh, a very fond one for the Tiger Army. Oh, yeah, I, th- I still think it's one of the loudest. Well, I went to the GWS final 217, um, so that was pretty loud, obviously. Um, yeah. But that... The Essendon game, uh, I guess, I think myself and Nashi kicked some pretty important goals, and that the scream of full, the roar of the crowd was just something I'll never forget. And um, you can hear it over the the audio of, if you watch vision of it now and then. It was just an amazing day, and we were out. Uh, I think we might have been seven goals down or something. I think, um, and the game was gone, and we just sort of snuck, um, stuck at it and uh, crawled our way back into it. So. Um, yeah, very fond memories of that game. And, again, just that group of players we spoke about that just willed themselves to have an amazing win. And you mentioned before about the Geelong prelim. Was the, the thought very much within the group that if that had been at, a, at the G, for example, that you would have had a, a real red-hot chance at that one? Yeah, I just think Geelong were a bigger, older, experienced side. So playing in the wet at Waverley just was probably a little bit of a down Um downer for us um it wasn't you know seventy thousand amazing crowd because waverley could really get a you could really hear and feel the crowd above, um on you but i think the wet weather and just the week before being at the g sunshine just it felt it just felt like it was a total different um way and we, we were ready to play a similar style to what we played the week before and weren't quite ready for that con- contest potentially and um probably showed i think the one thing i remember from that game was um the game was pretty much done and dusted, but the crowd started singing the theme yeah. song just as, a, I suppose, a sign of respect for the plays and how well you'd all done during the season, which yeah. was a, a nice touch. No, that's, and that's, I remember that. And that's just, that's amazing. I feel, I, I somehow feel like that was the start of the, obviously the seventies and all that in the eighties were quite big, but I felt like that was, that time was the start of that next generation of tigers, the tiger army. And I feel like we built that, in just a competitive time through that period. And um, and that held on, you know, for a good 10, 11 years where we kept building and kept building. And and obviously a lot of the supporters of the last, you know, 10 years would have come off the back of that, of family members still being excited about it. So, you know, I, I feel like uh, we we're very lucky to see and feel that. Yeah, definitely. No, you, you definitely created a, a new culture, a new breed of Tiger mm. supporter, which was good. Uh, in 96-97, you, your consistency became a lot more prominent uh, with your performances. I think you were 10th and 6th in the best and fairest. Uh, what changed for you as a, as a player to gain that consistency week in, week out? Because it's something that can kind of haunt a lot of players, being able to perform at a, a really good level on a consistent basis. Yeah. yeah, if I look back, my body changed. I became a, I guess, a, um, I guess you could say a bullocking sort of half forward, like wasn't before that, I was I was probably a smaller forward that was able to get it and really snap. I started sort of being able to run uh, some decent games out, playing up high as a half forward, and come yeah, I was just sort of changed into that um, higher half forward, um, which become which has become quite a dangerous position these days to play up high and become a goal kicker. So, but I think it was just the confidence in building my body, getting a little bit older and being able to run a lot harder and and learning to win a bit more ball was probably a big key. And you mentioned the midfield minutes a bit earlier. So at 98, Jeff Geishan chucked you into the midfield uh, just to make mm-hmm. use of your pace and footy smarts. Was this a move that you had floated to Geish or was that something that he wanted you to do? How did that come about and did you enjoy it? Uh, I don't – look, I don't know – I think I always you always want to I guess train with the mids and that's where you you've got to get your fitness from is being a top five runner or so just evolved um, 
but it was good because it evolved that I was able to play midfield but become a goal-kicking midfielder, which um, which I felt was definitely me. I, I wasn't – I didn't get a lot of kicks down the back end. I think Cambo was pretty good at that and Knights got a bit there. But I was able to really play my role, which was um, play that mid-forward and, and become quite dangerous. So it was um, it was always good to see you play big games and I'm in there with Knights and Campbell and to, you would – each side would – rate us all differently so i always love the day that someone would come and tag me or their yeah. tagger would come to Canberra. so it was quite a it was you know the majority of the times they went to the boys but uh every now and then i'd get the well the, uh, i'd get the certain player on me uh i think knights and campbell would always get libertore and i'd always get romero each because so you you really we it was really fun but it was challenging because you'd have sides coming to stop you from getting any kicks for the day. So it was it was, it was uh, a real challenge. I suppose, yeah, you end up being a, a targeted player on the back of good performances week in, week out. But like you said, at least you had the other guys in there to try and take some of the workload or the, the harder tags off you. But then if you kick a couple of goals, they're straight back yeah. at you. Yeah, it was it was just interesting. You obviously, um, you, oh, some days I spent most time wrestling guys, which was stupid because... <laughs> You'd end up. You just got so tired from it. It was silly. So it's exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's all right. You you learn from that. And um, but you know, I think Wayne was very good at not really letting anyone get to him as a tagger. I think it was. I don't think there's many games where he because he was able to run and be so smart in reading where the ball was going. So, um, I might have got sucked in a little bit with the wrestling, but I always wanted goals. So um, it was. They were always pretty hard on. They were always pretty worked pretty hard on stopping you. Well, goals, you, you kicked plenty of those that year as well. You averaged 23.6 disposals and kicked 30 as a midfielder, which is, you know, in, in any era, is extraordinary numbers. Did you have to change your game much to be able to put that kind of output? Or were you, were you still playing the same you would play, but just running harder for longer? Yeah, I was just running harder for longer. It was, um, it was just the extra bit of boxing or the extra bit of, I used to do a lot of bike riding as an extra, which helped my legs run late in games. Um, but I enjoyed training. I enjoyed the, the challenge of being fit. Um, if you had your time again, you'd, you know, they're, they're so professional now. It would be amazing to be playing now because, you could, you know, I just, I really, when I miss, when I finish football, I miss the training, miss the, the just the feeling of being fit and, and getting the work done. So it was really just the work that we'd done that helped me. And you capped off 98 by winning the Jack Dye medal. What did it mean to you to win that award? It, it's such a huge part of our football club. Uh, what did it mean to you on that night? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. I had my parents there who um, also, I've got photos of my mum and dad there and dad with tears in his eyes. So it was, it was just amazing. And I used, you know, I used that motivation that I was able to reach that sort of I guess a pinnacle in an, in an individual award for being such a prestigious award. I use that every day to just make sure that I'm, whatever I'm doing, whether it's work or my footy, just to really dig hard, dig deep and I um, guess realise that, you know, you keep at it and things do happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me individually, it was just probably the, the, the most rewarding award for me and my family, to be honest. So, oh, yeah. It's a massive effort. It's, yeah. As, uh, as Pete wrote there, it's a very slick group. So it's, um, yeah, it's awesome yeah. that you're a part of that group. No, it is. Now, you know, we know you love kicking a goal. Uh, there was one goal in particular that I was watching today. It was one of the fastest goals I've ever seen against the Brisbane Bears from oh, yeah. the centre bounce that the ball went nowhere near the two ruckmen and you just sharked it, took, just burst through and um, slammed on the boot. Do you remember that goal? And did you know you were well, a good chance to hit that straight away? No, but I actually got sent that a few weeks back too. So I'd never, oh, there you go. I didn't realize I'd done it. So, but I looked I at Red, it. Was, I think it was Rhett Bartlett posted it up on yeah. on YouTube. I think it was. Well, yeah, I did see it a few weeks back and uh, had no, like, I don't know, obviously old age, it was only, but I don't remember doing it. But it was a pretty good goal, to be honest. I yeah. think it was like four seconds in and it was a four second goal, basically. But I rocked it. I roved it and then just bashed it under my boot and it rolled through. So it was a pretty amazing goal, actually. <laughs> that was a cracking goal. I'm not sure many many would beat that from a, a time perspective. I think Leeds for us had a really quick one not yeah. long ago. But aside from that, that's uh, that was extraordinary. 
Yeah, no, I seen it, and then I seen I seen another one where they had five best fastest goals, and I I was I could see that mine was quicker than that to be honest. So it was yeah interesting what they're posting up now. It's it's definitely enjoyable seeing um, Rhett especially um, posting up because yeah. there's things that he's posted. Whether it's I don't know if I'm working on Foxtel or Channel Seven, he, he's he's pretty amazing how he does his work. To be honest, so oh, it's um, it's good. It's so good having like, him in the, in the position he's in now to to dig up and post all that old old footage that people yeah. would have you know no otherwise not seen. So nah. no, and, and I think we appreciate seeing it too. So it's yeah, uh, definitely it's work. Hmm. Uh, the one other thing I forgot to ask you about it was state football. You I think you represented South Australia. Was it? I can't. Was it ninety five? Potentially, I can't remember what year it was. Yeah, but... it was. Well, I think it was three times. Ninety five, nineties. Uh, I've got the jumpers there somewhere. Seven and ninety nine, I think. So three what times. Was that like, like, yeah, playing that because you wouldn't be playing against yeah. Campbell and Knights and players yeah, that you well, played yeah. with. Well, I played in the, the the big one where Teddy Whitten did the lap of honor at the, the MCG ninety five. I would have been only twenty one then, so that was huge. We. Victoria had an amazing side, you know, Cambo and Knight I played. Uh, that was just huge. I wish I played a little bit better, but I, it was just we we're up against it. We we're up against an amazing Victorian side. And we, um, I think the forward line, well, I don't know if that game or another game, we might have had Ablett, Dunstall, um, I don't know, Gary Lyon up again. And I was, I think I was the leading goal kicker for SA, so it was a little bit undermanned. I think Modra was out and we had some other players there in the forward line. So, we were undermanned, but it was an amazing experience. Um, we played at played Western Australia once at um, Football Park, which was really good. I played okay in that game, which was good, and then played another Victorian at the MCG, which we it was a better game, but we still got beaten quite convincingly. At the time of playing, are you, are you happy to play that mid-year? Do you think there's still a spot for it in today's football? Because a lot of arguments about some players don't want to play because they might get injured and things like that, mm. but... When you're actually out there playing, how much of it is pride? Like, no, nah, I've got to do this for my state. Kind of like how we see state of origin with it, with the NRL. Is it something yeah. that you think that the players of today would thoroughly enjoy doing if given the opportunity? Uh, yeah, I think. Look, we I grew up watching it at home in Victor, you know, in South Australia. So I I remember vividly watching the the SA um victoria victoria western australia game so it was something that i thought was we all thought was amazing back then so it's died off a little bit obviously um they all want to do it they're just trying to work out how to fit it into their schedule to be honest um nothing better than training with your peers that you you know when i think back now i'd love that moment of just being able to go back and train with sa and get to know those guys after games it was probably it's right up there with the highlights of any through my football career, to be honest. Yeah, and I don't think you talk to Wayne or Nida; they'd say the same. Um, the the side they played against in for Victoria was just amazing. So, um, to have those sort of players, the Rashudos, Ben Hart's, who I played Tilt Cup with, um, you know, just so many champions. McDermott, I think I played I played with Kernahan early. So it was pretty Bradley played with him. So there's pretty amazing sort of people to play with. And yeah, so I feel like they sh- somehow need to bring it back because the boys w- would love it. It's just yeah. trying to work out how. Just yeah, the, the time and place. I, I do. I hope they could bring it back as well. I think it'll be awesome to see, you know, the best yeah. of the best running around again. Um, I suppose the closest we've got was AFLX, wasn't it? And I'm not sure that um not sure they got no, everyone they... over the line, but I, I, for what it was worth, I enjoyed again the concept of seeing all the players running around together, despite the format. Yeah. I thought I liked seeing them all playing, playing the yeah, same game. It's, it's just such a different business now, isn't it? It's not. It's always been a business, but it's a different business now. So I don't know. Maybe it needs to be the start of the year, but there's just so much. Uh, there's so much work being done in week to week to get them fit. So I don't know. There's got to be something because it's definitely something that um, we cherish and hopefully the other guys get to have some involvement in that. Now, we've mentioned some of the players that you played with and I'm sure you'll probably say the same names again, but you played with some awesome players uh, at your time at the Tigers. Who were, in your eyes, let's say the top three or five that you played with? Okay. Um, I'll probably mention the top three, which, you, I, you know, I think most consistent players would be Wayne Campbell, Matthew Knights, and I think Richo was building at that time. Um, 
uh, Brendan Gale was obviously a very, you know, was a great ruck and really saved a lot of games through that time. Potentially would have been an amazing captain at that time as well. Uh, Wayne and Nida were obviously captains um, through that period, but I think Brendan would have been, um, obviously, he's, he's an amazing leader now. Um, so that'd probably be the standouts, I'd say, for that through that period. No, it'd be hard to disagree with that. Mm. Now, life after football. Um, what did you get up to post your playing days? You obviously had the, the year at the Swans, but what did you do post finishing up footy? Uh, so I was still in hotels and, and pubs when I finished football. Um, so I did that for a few years, had a bit of a rest, and then got into some construction, which I was looking after sort of helping grow construction companies, uh, business development. And um, which was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Got to um, work with some really great people in construction. Um, I'm involved in the pool, uh, manufacturing of pool, uh, fiberglass swimming shells and installs all around sort of um, Western Victoria, Geelong and um, Surf Coast. So that's really fun at the moment with summertime pools. Um, we're growing that business and it's uh, some great people to um to work with so that's uh, pretty much what i'm doing now i've got some couple of mates i'm involved with we're doing a software construction software called stick which is um uh, these guys have been working pretty hard in building that which is something that um will grow in time so but my main focus is the is the uh, summertime pools and just growing that business and you've been doing some coaching down at Werribee as well. Uh, I think you're yep. back there again this year with Michael Barlow. Have you been enjoying all the coaching and what kind of roles have they got you into down there? Uh, yeah, no, I've been there for a couple of, or I've been there for three years. I was there with Mark Williams when he was there and we made the finals, um, which was really interesting to work with Choco. He was amazing, um, amazing character to to get involved with but with uh mick we've i'm his senior assistant um i look after the ball movement um uh, helped sort of set up the leadership program and i look after the forwards so it's two nights a week it's the weekend so it's a real it's my probably outlet where i'm able to i guess go on um i guess we we sort of we put a program together that has to go up against full-time professionals so it's it's semi-professional and it's, um, yeah, it's a real challenge and we're doing quite well. So Mick's a really good fella and he balances um, the uh, the whole head coach position really well and I guess I'm sort of there to help him in any way possible. And what was Troco like? As, uh, from a work perspective, we deal with him a little bit with the precision, precision footballs. Oh, yeah. Loves his footy. He's as passionate yeah. as they come. Uh, did he have some out there theories and uh, no, methods for training? Yeah, definitely. I, look, he's. I think it's the he brought in something that I've sort of forgotten a little bit about, which was just basic skills and just the basics, doing the basics really well. Um, so there's no secret to why he was successful. He's so passionate about the the, the smallest and the most. Um, the most basic detail in football, but that's what wins your games. That's what makes you better. So I learned a, a hell of a lot from Choco. Um, he is, if you don't know him, it's, if you don't know him, you, it takes a little bit to get hold of what Choco is about, but then you just feel, then you just see his passion and he's just an amazing football person. That um, And it was great to see him go to Melbourne. There's no doubt that they probably would have struggled winning the flag without his basic skills program. He's, He's kicking, and I know he's he's highly regarded in that position with Melbourne. So it's good to see him back um, in the in the AFL where he should be. Oh, it was a, he thoroughly deserved that award. So yeah, he's a, a superstar of the game. Um, mid-season draft. What are your thoughts on the mid-season draft? Is it something that I suppose is going to be on your radar as it gets to that point in time? But you obviously run the risk of losing your best players, not just you guys, but all clubs. How has that sort of worked into your program? And uh, obviously, it's always a thrill to have your players drafted, but how much of an impact can it have on your team? Uh, well, we thought Shawnee Manor was going to get picked up, who I'm very surprised he didn't. Um, even on the weekend, he's a mid-forward and kicked, I think he got, I think he had 25 touches and kicked seven goals. So I failed to see how he can't fit into some of these AFL clubs. Um 
if we lost him, yeah, it was going to be a struggle, but I think the club might get $10,000, which is really nothing. So, um, but I guess the program is set about we we get players in to help them put to help them still get where they need to get to. So it's, it's half of what we we want to do is put a, a great program together for not only for us to win, but to develop these players. And these kids have dreams. And for us, um, we've seen Jake Riccardi go from Werribee, who I worked quite closely with, the play you know, plays at GWS, and um, that was one of the best. Um, I guess rewards in coaching that I've seen. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's probably unfair in a certain way. I've the the last draft I felt was too much of they picked kids who they missed last year. The eighteen, they, the eighteen year olds uh, turned yeah. nineteen, they picked them up. So, to me, I think it lost its. It sort of was just a backup for last year when they didn't have the probably the guts to actually pick certain players. They decided, yeah, oh, they're okay. a better player now. And the ones who were 23, 24, 25, which I thought was about the mid-season draft, didn't get picked up as much, I don't believe. So, so I wonder um, if they in- introduced like age parameters or something like that to actually give the, you know, the VFL and State League players the proper go with what it's meant to be all about. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just need to get more guts in picking players who are 23, 24 and getting them in there because there's players who will impact AFL sides now and they just don't get picked. So Kane Lambert's an amazing story for Richmond. Yeah. I mean, I don't – there's been a few others that have um, that have been picked up, but – Marlon Pickett, he, he had a fair debut being picked up uh, at his age. Yeah, he did. He had an amazing career, just and he was an amazing VFL player. So I, I'd certainly see Shawnee Manor as being a player who could go into, um, you know, Gold Coast, which I was going to text Wayne about him, and he could win games. <laughs> he could win games for you. So um, not that his players are there to win games, but he could help definitely help them. Um, I guess play their role to win a game. Uh, are there things that you see and do now as a coach that you wish you had have known to do as a player? So sort of like, is there anything, any advice you would give your younger self from a coaching perspective? Uh, definitely. There's lots. Um, there's so many ways to, oh, geez, I'd work on a lot more agility and speed to make sure you you get that break. You'd, there'd be more specific weights to get bounding and pushing off. You'd you'd have to put more bench time in to try and do a few dusty um, pushes. Um, <laughs> don't argue at some point. But, um, no, just I think the basics of football, whether that be agility, running, you, there's just better ways to train it now. And there's just no – if you concentrate on them, you're going to get better at them. Um, so – yeah, there's just a more scientific, specific way to train certain tra- uh, ways to do anything in football. And even if you're a young player and you can't, you haven't learned how to, you know, you haven't got the confidence to go win your own ball, well, there's ways to, to teach kids now to really hone down and and get them being confident in all areas of football. So, yeah. I would have liked to have probably. I think I quick. I think I kicked the ball a bit quick. For some reason, I thought I was slower than I was, but I would have liked to have been able to run a little bit more with it and just use that ball a bit better at times. But um, yeah, so there's, and um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of things I would have done differently now. You still carved out a pretty good career. So whatever you did yourself, you did right. But uh, it's always good looking back in hindsight, isn't it, to see what. But it's also how much the game's changed too. Like with all the training mm. tools and things that are available now, um, they're just light years ahead of, I suppose, what you would have had when you started. Oh, definitely. Uh, the coaches, the the facilities, everything really. So all the programs, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, Twenty sixteen, you were the homecoming hero in round sixteen versus the Swans. What was it like for you to walk back out into the G in front of the Tiger Army? Yeah, that was a really good night. Um, my kids come down. My wife was standing on the side. It was really a pretty special night. Um, so definitely had some tears walking onto the MCG. I think it was probably the first time I'd done that for a bit and um, was just starting to sort of get back in around the club with Brendan being in charge. And um, it was a really good feel because um, you never feel like you when you're out of it. And I'll talk for any past player. Um, I go to the best and fairest. I'll go to the life members um, dinners, but I put myself out there as much as anyone, I think. And but you never quite feel at home again. Um, but 
doing things like that does make you feel at home, I guess. Yep. So um, when there's such a different coaching panel or different people around, you sometimes feel like you're, you're a bit of an intruder sort of going back. But Brendan and his team do an amazing effort to make us feel more welcome, but you do have to put yourself out there. And um, that is definitely one way. Um, they've incorporated a family sort of um, academy now where they do a one big day of bringing all the kids in from past players, which was a really good start as well. So, oh, okay. Um, How long have they been doing that for? They're just one year this year. So oh, okay. their first year was this year. So that, that was definitely something that I think that'll grow and, and um, the kids got a lot out of it. So I take it based on those type of comments that you still do keep a close eye on the Tigers. And you mentioned you're at the uh, GWS prelim. What have you made of the last, let's say, five, six years of the Tigers so far? Yeah, well, I mean, a bit like I've just been a mad Richmond supporter. So is my, my son and my daughters and family. Um, just was just amazing the last few years. So um, really proud of what we're doing and probably made it even more proud of having Brendan um, have such a big, um, role to play in that. Yeah. Um, Trent Cochin also know uh, quite well and has always been um, probably he's been someone that has made me feel like I'm part of the club just the way he sort of engages with my family and, and myself and he's just a, a terrific guy that um, I've just loved watching him play and there's no surprises that when it needed when you know his whole time of playing football when when something needed to be done um, he went and did it. And he continues to do that now. So um, become a massive Richmond supporter and a massive Trent Cochin fan of um, of just watching how he's grown as a leader as well. So, but um, we're still doing okay. We're you know we're obviously missing a tall forward at the moment. I, you know if Lynch was back, Ooh, I think the, the numbers would be a lot different to where they are. Um, the rest of it's sort of playing out okay. Just just being able to score a little bit more efficiently, I think. Do you think missing someone like Lynch for so long, how how quickly can that take a toll on the playing group structurally? And in terms of, I suppose, Jack Rewalt mm. probably wasn't meant to play that the role he's having to play now because Lynch was meant to be riding shotgun with him. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I sort of look at Lynch as if it's like playing golf on a, you know, a really amazing um, track somewhere without a driver. It's just, it's really hard work. Um and and he was just getting some confidence where when he needed to clunk the mark and steady steady the ship, he was doing that a lot. Um, but some of these kids that are coming in at the moment, they, I guess that's going to be better for the future. Um, and they're, they're, yeah, they're, so there's good signs. I think you know Brendan's been on record to say that there's you know he wants to turn the club around really quickly, and it looks like they're they're holding that steady right now as far as um, there's no massive drop-off at the moment. So, and I think that'll continue. We're just not that far off. So, which is probably as far away as we get to dropping off at the moment, which is really exciting. So I think it'll, they continue to build, which is good. And that's what all those good teams do. Like you look at Geelong and Hawthorne and yeah. even Sydney, they're able to stay up for such long extended periods of time. So if we can, yeah, yeah, keep, we've got, I think we've got a couple of plays making their debut this week. I think Banks and Bauer uh, are going to play. Yeah. So, Bauer might be able to fill that void down forward. He's kicked a couple of clutch goals after the siren. Have you played against have you, what do you make of him? You might have seen him a bit more up close and personal than we have. Uh no, but I liked his confidence last week, just how he was um, you know, anyone who I guess when he took that mark last week, he looked like he had some real confidence of understanding how long to go and then just steady and kick that ball was just showed some real class. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes. Um in the AFL. When players do that, you just know that they're going to get hold of AFL, I think, because um, it's about doing things at the right time and, and not panicking and being clean. And he looks like he's got some of those attributes for sure. And he, if I remember correctly, he was not, he was actually one of our mid-season picks. So yeah, I suppose it comes back right. to that program, hopefully delivering as it should. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's a great, that's a, you're right. That's a good story for him. And um, that's definitely one that's come off for us. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing those guys play this week. No, it should be good. All right, Nick, well, I'll, I'll let you go because I'm mindful you do have an early flight to catch uh, tomorrow. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time tonight to jump on and have a chat. Um, it's been sensational having you on, mate. So thank you yeah. so much again to you and to Nick, other Nick, uh, Nick Rericus for organising. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, great to talk to you about the Tigers and 
my career, I guess. So thank you. No worries at all. Uh, hopefully have a good day tomorrow. Hopefully the Tigers can get a win on the weekend and uh, we can get back on the winners list. Get back on the, get back up there. That'd be great. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks. No Chris. worries. Thank you so much, mate. See you, mate. All right, there we go, guys. Nick Daffy joining us tonight. What an absolute superstar of the Tigers he was. It was uh, fascinating to hear from him and his stories. Uh, Nick Rericus, thank you so much, mate, for your work in getting Nick Daffy on tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Um, as you can see, I'm still flying solo. This is the first time going one out here on a Tiger cast, but we will see how we go. We will push on because there's still other things to talk about. But uh, it's always good to hear from the past players and, you know, especially in that sort of that 95 era with the the players that they had going with the Richo, Knights, Campbell, Daffy and things like that. It's uh, it's just good to hear their different versions of stories because obviously we've had Richo on, we've had Wayne Campbell on. So it's just good to hear the different recollections of the same point in time. Uh, but yeah, do yourself a favour, jump onto um, YouTube and make sure that you uh, have a look at his goal. That goal against Brisbane I mentioned when he kicked it out of the, out of the ruck in about four seconds was unbelievable. So that's one of the most exciting things when doing these chats is looking up the highlight reels for the players in question and you, you sort of, you forget a lot of what they did and how good they were, but to watch it again, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. So Nick Daffy, absolute superstar. Uh, need to get Jay King on. Well, I, I actually did reach out to um, his tattoo parlor many years ago, but didn't hear, didn't hear anything back, but very good, very good to chat with Nick Daffy. All right, uh, feel free to send through questions as we go. I'll answer as many as I can on the fly, but we'll we'll quickly chat about the Brisbane game, unfortunately, very quickly, that we had last week on Thursday night. So Brisbane, 2014, 134, defeated the Tigers, 7-11-53. By 81 points, but it probably felt worse than that, if I'm being honest. So looking at our goal kickers, we had Hopper with two, Short with one, Ross with one, Dan Rioli one, Cumberland one, Juddy Clark one. But uh, that was kind of where... That was kind of where the good vibes ended. Um, I felt that, I don't know what everyone else in chat thought, but from a, if you want to call best on ground perspective, I actually thought the defenders probably held their weight the most, uh, which is no surprise given that the ball was down there for quite a large portion of the game. Um, and I tweeted this out that despite some of his turnovers, I really, really enjoyed Noah Bolter's game. Um, it definitely looks like he's been given a license to attack a lot more and, and be creative and do his own thing. And, you know, I, I can respect and appreciate a defender like him attacking and trying to take the game on and trying to create something, trying to get things going. And if it doesn't come off, so be it. Um, I think that's an okay mistake to make. I would rather players make mistakes like that than be going into their shell. But uh, I thought Vlosten was good early. Broad was good early. Again, simply because the ball was down there for far too long. But um, the, the real worry for me was the midfield, which a few, few of you have noted in the chat. So it's um, we got smashed to put it to put it simply. We got absolutely smashed in the in the midfield. They were non-existent with one way or two way running, which was really really unfortunate because it put everyone at sea. So as the game went on kind of felt like it was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity to play Soldo. I thought the big O did a very good job on Nank. Um, and we just weren't able to get first use of the ball. But, yeah, it was uh, what everyone else think of the game. And, you know, I've got the bye plays a part too. I'm not saying that's the reason why we lost, but the data suggests that teams coming off the bye have struggled. Um, we were no different. Brisbane were on. They... They probably should have scored uh, a lot more, to be honest. And I have heard this as well, Nick, that uh, even prior to tonight that a few players had flu symptoms. And maybe maybe that's right, because it did have a lot of shades of 2018 against the Pies in the, in the prelim about it. Um, look, I don't think, as a club, I don't think we would ever use that as an excuse. I think there's it's okay to you know acknowledge that as a reason um, as to why, but... At the end of the day, if the players take the field, they're, they're putting their hand up and deeming themselves 100% or as close to fit to play. But something definitely wasn't right. Um, and it, it just was almost like a perfect shitstorm of things. You had the bye. If players were crook, um, it just and it just didn't work for us, did it? So I thought, what did everyone think of Hopper's game, Hopper's first game back? I thought 
I thought he did quite well. Kicked two goals, tried to get the boys going. Um, unfortunately, he and probably the rest of the mids didn't do enough for long enough. But I thought from an individual standpoint, I thought he did okay when it was his turn, which was good. And yeah, Hopper, yeah, faded a little bit. It's probably the first game that he got. Um, I don't know if he got tagged out of it, but he just wasn't at his usual self. And 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 again, it sort of highlights the the presence that Dion Presti has and the difference that he makes as well. But far too many players were off. So and, and to Brisbane's credit, and you know, I tweeted it that if Brisbane was serious, they had to put us away exactly how they did. So they did it. They stood up to the challenge. If we want to, you know, when I say challenge, I mean the mental challenge um, because they had us covered from a skill perspective. But their biggest challenge was mentally: could they could they do the job that they should be doing, given how the teams were performing at the time? And and they did. So fair play to the Lions. Uh, Nathan, do you think Hopper could play more forward and mid? Uh, I don't know. I think I like his work in the midfield. If anything, Taranto, I know he doesn't want to play forward, but if anything, Taranto would be the one that I wouldn't mind seeing play forward more because he can kick goals. But so, I mean, Hopper just showed he can as well. I'm just not sure if he's as crafty around goals, maybe what Taranto is. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's, a, it's an option. It's an option, that's for sure. Uh, Andrew says, good game over Stinker. Never really going to beat Brisbane, especially with the injuries. As uh, Noah walks in, how are you, Noah? What are you doing? Um, your reindeer i'm not sure what your reindeer is mate um but yeah it was just a bit of a a barry crocker all around and i lee i agree and not that it was isolated to last night on its own but the missing lynch is is really hurting us and i feel bad for real he had a bit of a mare um but with the way we played allowed harris andrew to to do whatever he wanted really so um, we're kind of, yeah, a bit hamstrung all over the park. And obviously Cumberland going down injured. I mean, all things being equal, he wouldn't have come back on with that injury, I don't think. So it wasn't, wasn't exactly a good game for him to show his wares as well. But the problem with that loss, though, oh, and Short, thank you, Shorty as well, um, Sharon doing his hamstring, which was no good. I haven't heard. I haven't heard how long. Hopefully it's only minor because he played for a little bit longer after it happened, I think. So hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not too bad, but the the biggest concern about the loss is with the ladder positions as they are, we can't really afford to lose too many more games. So I think this was always a genuine 50-50, but it's it's now made, made life really, really difficult for us, and we essentially have to win seven or eight games. Oh, hang on here, CB. How are you, mate? You got the Mac working. Return of the Mac. No, actually, I haven't. I've had to come no, in on the old one. I'm uh, welcome, mate. right now. I could just <laughs> destroy worlds. It's you look just... as red as EJ on a previous show. <sighs> mate, Hulk smash. It's just... Hulk smash. <laughs> I've got a new... Is what it... I've set up a new computer and then somehow yeah, I'm, I'm not an administrator to download things like Chrome and shit. Like that. I just... Anyway, I've just... This wasn't working for you. It didn't tonight, no. Hi, everybody. Uh, all good. <laughs> well, we were just, I suppose, chatting about the the back half of the Brisbane game and how how poorly that went for us. Did you have any thoughts to add on the on the Brisbane game, or would you rather just talk about the Swans game? Um, nah. Look, I mean, <laughs> I think the Brisbane game was pretty self explanatory. <laughs> like, we really need to revisit that one too much. It's yeah. It wasn't wasn't great viewing. wasn't great viewing, and that's see that's one of those nights that retrospectively I'm glad we didn't do a live call on because you imagine how shit that would have been doing a live call of that game. But well, ironically, mate, after half time I would have been calling the cricket, so I probably would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. we could have just switched codes halfway through. <laughs> we could have switched codes, you know. Uh, well, on to this week, Dave. We'll, we'll talk about this week. We've got the Swannies this week, who are coming off a draw against um, against the Cats which makes things a bit interesting in terms of our percentage again. Not that I, I think the, it won't ultimately matter too much, but uh, got the Swannies here at the G. They, who kicked their goals? I think Logan McDonald kicked two, Campbell two, Parker one, Papley one. Um, this game has danger written all over it. The Swans are going to be up for the fight. And 
the last time we played them, I distinctly remembered that we kind of just let Papley do whatever the hell he wanted for about 15 minutes in the last quarter and took it away from us. Do you reckon the Swans couldn't hit the... They were missing goals from five and ten metres out. Did you see the Tom Hickey one? What's that? Did you see the Tom Hickey one? Mate, did you see uh, the one that could have should have won the game at the end when old mate was running into an open goal? <laughs> the post. Uh, what are the Sydney won't do that? Sydney won't do that. They won't give us the privilege or the luck of that. But having said that, um, look at the MCG. You'd have to say we're going. I'd actually say we're going favourites, and um, I'm really excited for the debut of Banks and Bauer. I think that's going to be mm. terrific. I know on the um, on the board, there's a few people that only really talk about Andrew McQualter when we're losing. And they sort of said, you know, let's see what he does now, throws the magnets, plays the old boys. Well, they got their wish. Um, Bauer and Banks debuting will be absolutely um, fantastic. Bauer, the Iceman, as he's now known as. Oh, uh, two, two from two. I mean... Talk about showing character um, and stepping up for your teammates twice. It's it's pretty incredible to get two chances to nail and after the siren goal to win a game and hit them both. Correct, correct. And and um, I would say, and this is purely because he hurt himself, I think Bauer comes in for Cumberland because Cumberland hurt his ankle before half time. So I think yep. that's a logic logical in. Um, and and Short time, will be I'm, out for Banks. Yes. Yeah, and you think he, we're in an interesting spot with Hugo now. He hasn't played full games for a long time. What do they What do they do with him? Do they give him a full run in the resis or do we persist? I think you have to. I, like I said, I still think he'll – he's got the signs to be a player. I just think there comes a point where you've got to give him a full run. Um, so, yeah, I would say definitely Short and Cumberland will come out at a minimum for those two, but then – Greg makes the good point that Dusty and Prestia could very well be back in as well. Um, yeah. Well, Pickett, on the on the AFL app, Pickett was down as injured before halftime as well. Now, he came out and played the game, but um, I don't know. He got pretty banged up. So, selection table, we know two definite ins. I would say there's four definite ins. I'm really hoping that Prestia comes in. We know Martin will be back in. Um is Jack Graham in trouble then? Don't know. I mean, <laughs> I would, there's about 20 blokes looked really ordinary on Thursday night. Yeah, uh, yeah it's fair call. So, look, I don't know. I mean, Hickey's their number one rock. The, Sydney's got some big boys in there. Um, but then defensively, they stretched a bit too, missing both, um, both McCartan boys. So... I think uh, no. I think the keys will be the keys. I think Samson Ryan will play again. Nank will play, obviously. I, I think yeah, Prestia, if he's fit, he plays. There's, there's no two ways about that. Um, his yeah. omission was his injury was a shock to us. Let's hope his uh, inclusion's a shock to us as well. Yeah, as a one week. Yeah. Exactly, and, and to your point, JW, it's I get what you're saying. Do you risk Prestia? But we're unfortunately at a bit of a crossroads where I think internally at the club and even externally, we can still make it. So, but we need to win pretty much all of our games here on out. So they probably kind of have to roll the dice a little bit without being too reckless, if that makes sense. Well, to be honest, uh, not very often I agree with SEN, but. This is probably the first of the elimination games to see who plays finals. I think whoever loses this one drops too far back to um, actually make it. So. Now, on Bauer coming in, interesting to note that um, he played as a defender for three quarters. He's played defence the last few weeks, but he kicked all three of his goals in the last quarter. So he's almost sort of building that genuine swingman-type vibes that he can play at both ends, which can be handy. Um, but I think we're going to safely assume that he's going to start down forward. I would think so. Yeah, Jack Jack will need support. But as someone said, I haven't seen. I actually haven't seen the weather for Thursday night. I don't know if it's wet or dry. Um, yeah, look, I think you know. Again, do, do you 
Does Miller, do you keep Samson Ryan and Nan Curvis, but remove a tall in Miller and risk it and um, bring a more mobile forward structure in with Dustin Martin? There's a few little deck chair shuffles that could happen. Uh, Christian just said, Minnie said that he hadn't decided which end on 360, but likely forward. So, I mean, it makes the most sense. We, we can't we can't keep leaving Jack with two defenders, especially with Cumberland out. It just seems the most logical spot for him to um, to slot in. Correct. Yeah. Uh, George, to answer that one, so Bauer's going to replace Cumberland, who'll be out injured, and Banks will replace Short, who'll be out injured. The question mark, the question then becomes oh. who goes out for Dusty and whoever else comes in. Does Hugo get his chance for a full game in the ones and replace Short? Possibly, Banks yeah. And, and some and some I don't think they'll I don't think they'll debut Banks' sub. Yeah, you wouldn't I think, think so. It would just yeah, not sure they would they would do that. But uh very very big game. So in terms of matchup wise. For me, Papley's the one. He's a, he's one of those players that you you don't like playing against him because he's a smug prick and he's very good at what he does. Um, but you love to have him on your team. So, how do we stop him getting off the leash? Because, like I said, last time we played them in basically fifteen minutes, he took the game away from us single hand. I think we had stopped as a collective unit, which didn't help. But he he just tore our hearts out. Yeah, well, I mean, who do you, who do you play on him? Who would you prefer to play on him? Um, I think you'd go to lock him down or, or broad. I think you'd go broad first and then even Rioli if if we had to. But I don't think Grimes has got the, the pace to go with him. I think Broad's probably got the best balance of attributes to go with him. Yeah. Oh, pardon me. Uh, no, that's that's all right. And then in terms of their, I mean, their big forty got Amadi, who um, did was he injured again? I, I know he played against us, but did he go down injured early last time? I can't remember. But he looks, he looks a good kid too. Yeah, no, he definitely does. He definitely does. So they, we're going to have our hands full. The Marty and um, and Heaney, who will play down four, who plays a lot taller than what he actually is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the talk is Buddy comes in. So get ready for the commentary really? to be on full buddy, buddy, buddy talk. Excellent. You might have three touches, but they'll be the best three touches in the world if you listen to the commentators. Channel 7 will be all geared up for the buddy show. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. But no, it's yeah. going to be a fascinating lineup. All right. Well, we'll get a... A tip, including margin for this one. Feel free to send them through in the chat as well. We'll pop a few up. Who, who do you reckon is going to win this one, CB, and by how much? Tigers to bounce back by 16 points. We'll take that. Uh, Christian just said, Tom Brown said, buddy, final MCG game already started. There it is. That. There it Jesus. is. Well, hopefully we can shit on that party and uh, and get the win. If it's going to be dry condi- or semi-dry conditions... I'll go the Tigers by 20. Um, but, yeah, it, it's do or die, isn't it? It is pretty much if we um, if we don't win this game, it, it's I think it's officially lights out. Yeah, I think so. And so. And I'll tell you the other thing, I don't know if you spoke about it. How did you view Hopper's first game back after? I think it got better as the game went on. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't mind it. Kicked a couple of good goals, tried to get him going. Unfortunately, as a collective, the midfield was pretty shambolic on the whole. But from an individual standpoint, I thought he, he warmed into it really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be better for the run. Yeah, definitely. It's just my worry with him, not him personally, but we're just going to make sure we keep the right balance in the middle. Because it sometimes felt like it wasn't working when it was he, Taranto and Hopper. For some reason, it just didn't work. Um, so I don't know whether there wasn't enough pace or enough offense flair, and that's why I think Bolton needs to to stay in there for as long as he can to uh, to add that little bit of bit of pizzazz. Yeah. CJR could have gone a bit better there. Should better kick, kick through, take it to the banks. Would have been, or... been better. Just say lift. You got to lift. Just say lift. <laughs> <laughs> Ties by twenty four. Is that another bowel reference, Dean, or have I read too much into that? Well, 24 TV show. Anyway, 
thank you so much for your time today, everybody. Thank you, CB, for jumping on. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. tech, sorry. Is, sorry. tech sorry. issues sorry. are the worst. So, no, that's all right. You can't do what you can do. And I uh, hope everyone enjoyed Nick Daffy on tonight. Absolute legend. Thank you so much, Nick, for getting him organized for us. Very much appreciated. And we will hopefully see you on Monday night with another win under our belt. Well, just a win. Not me, not other one. Just a win would be good. And get on board the Aussies. Um, Headingly test starts Thursday. It's going to be a wild. <laughs> when you know the old blokes who are blind drunk on Pim's fire up in uh, Lords, <laughs> you can only imagine what the ferals are going to do in the outer at uh, Headingly. So the uh, they will need our support. The uh, the eleven to take the field. Actually, before we go, a couple of questions on the cricket. Apologies, I know it's a footy show, folks, but I think I think we've got to ask it. The Stark catch that was overturned, out or not out? Not out. Because the hand was face down, the ball was on the ground, even though it was clawed and controlled? To be objective, that was a rookie error by Stark. He should have known better than that. He should have known better. And it was a Bairstow got run out from um, just 100%, wandering. 100% out. That, that was, was an instantaneous throw. It's not <clears throat> like he held on to it and waited. Like I've done I, as a wicketkeeper, I've waited longer than that and thrown it and been a bit of a dick move, but I got him out. Uh, but that was thrown simultaneously instantaneously and he just wandered out and that was just dumb. Yeah. I, I posted a few receipts, a few things that I found on Twitter today about just about the English and their uh, spirit of the game commentary and just exactly what their coach is like. And what he was doing when he was playing, but also Stuart Broad and a few others. So they have no moral grounds at all, the English cricket are, the cricket team. They're just being idiots. Well, don't throw stone glass glass houses. But um, the, the atmosphere is what it's all about there. So there's a few Aussies over there as well, which is good. But, um, yeah, we'll have to get behind the Aussies as well. Good to see a few people agreeing with uh, out, out, brain fart, both decisions correct. It's uh, yeah. so lazy zone fault. No, I agree. I agree. So maybe maybe he was a bit tired, mate. And he thought he saw a Mars bar in the middle of the pitch and was just sort of <laughs> just <laughs> it just wandered down. That was quite comical. It was very very funny. But, uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the interview with Nick Daffy, uh, superstar. And thank you, CB, again for coming on tonight. Much appreciated, and for jumping on the end for some cricket and footy talk. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, be, I'll do better next time. Sorry. Guys. No, no, no need to be sorry. All good. All good. Uh, and Tiggs, I think, will be back on in the very near future. Um, he's doing well on, I suppose, the correct sort of rehab and medication for the concussion. And EJ as well. Shout out to EJ. He was in the chat before too, who's recovering from his shoulder, Rico, as well. So hopefully you're doing well, mate. Did you have something to add for EJ? It looked like you were about to pop, give him a pot shot there, but... <laughs> Uh, I wish I wish them well. I wish them well. <laughs> so have a good night, everybody. And Tigers on Thursday night. Hopefully we get the win. And until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers.